I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. Tech time. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by summersf1.co.uk, making F1 tech easier to understand. Today's episode is called Tech Time Part 2. I'm your host, Richard Spanners-Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Tirumpitz as we dive straight into the second part of our tech roundup, Matt. Yes, let's get going because, oh my goodness, has Summers brought the content today. Okay, well, Summers needs no introduction. He's the tech expert that we have on here. He's the assistant technical editor for motorsport.com. I guess you can say hi if you want to, Summers. Hello, people. So, uh, as you know from last week, we're recording this as a video, so I'm going to say odd things like this. We're here with Matthew Summerfield, Summers F1, joining us on Missed Apex podcast to continue talking about the journey that Red Bull had throughout the 2017 season. Now, on the last video, we got about as far as Spain and Monaco, I think. Uh, We briefly talked about how Red Bull kind of deliberately start the season a little bit simply so that they've got a platform to A, develop, which they see as one of their strengths, and B, uh, they give themselves the opportunity to see what the rest of Formula One is doing and how the regulations will change. So they don't lock themselves down to any particular formula or any particular strategy. So we finished up looking at the Monaco pictures last time. We were basically moving on to to Canada. And Matt had a little follow-up question. So the slide I'm putting up now is Canada. uh, And uh, I think it's trying to be Canada. It's trying its best to be Canada anyway. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask Summers my question while you sort out the technical end of that. And Monaco, there was another update and it was a little triangular wing ahead of the shark fin. Tell me about that because I had never seen it until I saw this picture and it, it looks, it really, it looks like a file you use for woodworking. It's nice, isn't it? I, I really, I really like that thing. I call it a spear because that's what it looks like. It looks like a spearhead. Um, Basically, it works a bit like uh, the winglet that you have on top of the Ferrari uh, around the airbox. 
Um, it's just to try and improve the the relationship of the engine cover with the the way in which that the airflow moves around that that section of the car. So, um, and how that then works with the rear wing. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that little thing. Obviously, it's not not something that's well known about because. Okay, let's move on to Canada then, Summers, where you have a close-up, basically, of the top of the uh, Red Bull car. So behind where the camera mount sits, you've got, uh, just before the shark fin, you've got like almost like a mini T-wing, uh, but right at the front of the shark fin. But it's it's very, very small. One of these things you go, surely that didn't make a difference. Yeah, the little spear winglets, which basically improves the efficiency of the engine cover and its relationship with the with the rear wing. Um, it was introduced in Monaco, but a lot of us didn't actually notice it in Monaco, um, just purely because it's quite quite a small aero appendage, um, very small and fanciful. And um, yeah, I just thought that I'd point that out to to the viewers because it was a, a nice thing that uh, we haven't really seen before. So if you want to move on to the next slide spanners uh, of the front wing yep there we are so we're looking the front left hand wing we're looking at from a camera angle very low to to the ground so these uh, arrows are pointing to what are referred to as the end plates are they of the front wing okay so the white arrow is referring to the end plate of which the reason i've got an arrow there is the little slot that's been added to the front element of the end plate something that's quite unique to to red bull um in terms of the way they want to move the airflow inside and outside the end plate and then we're, the red arrow is pointing to the curved footplate arc, which is basically responsible for creating a, a, a longitudinal vortex that helps with the, the management of, of wake from the front tyre. Um, and these are changes that were made in Canada to try and enforce what had gone before it in Spain, etc., to try and resolve some of the issues that they started the season with. So if we move on to uh, slide number nine then, We'll be looking at the floor from the front, that barge board area that you've noticed uh, in the other video spanners. Um, what we're looking at there is, if we remember back to the first section uh, of our talk about Red Bull, they had a cutout in the, the side of the floor, um, and this is their, their new version of that. So they've, instead of having the cut, uh, total cutout of the floor, they've added a slot, something very similar to what we've seen Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, etc., do at the start of 2017. So they're just resolving to, to deal with the, a situation that's unfolded um, in other people's development programs. So they're, they're using a, a very similar effect themselves. And then if we move on to uh, slide number 10 spanners, I can I can do that. So now we're looking at the opposite end plate. So what what part of the season are we in now when we're looking at this? Okay, so we've moved down to Silverstone. Um, and the reason that I, I've highlighted this particular uh, front wing configuration is at this point in the season, um, it was rather contentious. Um, Red Bull were being accused of uh, doing several things in terms of having an overly flexible front wing, and that was helping them to improve the deform performance of the car. Uh, when they went to Silverstone, they had a whole new design. So that slot that we just mentioned in, in that had been introduced in Canada was taken away, and the whole uh, section inside of that had been changed. Now, if you can see the white lines that I've added on, on the picture, you'll see that the footplate isn't parallel to the ground, um, a very distinct decision made by Red Bull to improve the way in which the wing works at different pitch angles. Wait a yes, minute. Spanners. So this is extended outside the end plate. Do all the cars 
it's one of these things you look at it and you go, I've looked at front wings all the time. Have they always had a bit sticking out from the outside of the wing? Yeah. They have. They all have a footplate, yes. It's part of the regulations. So they all have that, that part of the, the wing on the outside of the, the end plate. Um, Red Bulls is very different this season to everybody else's because it sticks up um, rather than being flat. And that's what we're depicting here in this uh, this sketch of the, um, the, the Red Bull. But what everybody was talking about in this respect was that the footplate itself was, was moving at speed um, and changing the... the RB13's ability to to create downforce and also reduce drag on the straights. And the section that was uh, deemed to be moving, I've highlighted in yellow, that section would close up um, uh, and reopen again, depending on on where they were on the circuit. And so um, they had to go undergo the, the usual load tests, et cetera, and they were found to be um, complying with those. So obviously everybody had to swallow it and uh, and move on. But I thought that it was a good way of, of showing you what was actually happening at that point in the season. No, I like it. But when we were at Silverstone, we were still looking very much at this being the team that was in third place. So how much effect are they starting to get now? Are they starting to get a lot of momentum now with these upgrades? Yeah, they're, they're starting to understand the problems that they had at the start of the season. Uh, the turning point will come at the next the next section of, of pictures, but... At this point in the season, they're really starting to get on top of where they were with the car and, and making a, a, an understanding of how to deal with the, the problems that they've encountered at the start of the season. So if we move on to slide 11. So, got, sorry, yes, Matt. Yeah, I was going to say, so in a sense, what you're saying is that this is about the point in the season uh, around um, Silverstone and Hungary where they finally got into grips with the loss of HPC and with their correlation issues at the start of the season. Yeah, they're, they're, they're making strides, basically. They're really beginning to understand what, what went on um, and what they need to change in order to to uh, get the results that they desire um, and, and really take the fight to the likes of Ferrari. So in this next slide, we're still at Silverstone and we're, we're just having a look at the turning veins. Again, we, we're looking at another development. We've seen these turning veins already at, at one point or another this season um uh, and basically all they've done here is where i've added the, the red arrow the, they've added a long vein which runs from the front to the back of the of the turning vein just changes again the behavior of that that particular area of the car it's a small modification but um an, a necessary one in terms of what red bull are trying to achieve i see i'm not sure if you used the word turning vein in the last video, because I've heard that turning vein over and over again when people, you know, are talking about tech stuff. Uh, so that's what it is. The bit that's hanging down below the wishbones underneath the end of the front nose section, that is something specifically uh, to help with steering, with handling. No, it's just called a turning vein because it turns the airflow at that point of the car. Um it's not anything to do with with the steering of the car in that respect. It's it's about turning the airflow. Okay, if we can just go ahead and edit out where I where I said that. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so if we move on to slide twelve, um, and we're looking at the updates that were introduced in Hungary. Now, this is the re- this is the real turning point for for Red Bull, in my opinion, for the rest of the season. This is the point at which. Red Bull really achieved what they were looking to get from the RB13. Yes, they might have had to make some compromises in respect of their initial ideas of what they wanted, but to get the maximum from from it, um, they made changes to the centre of the car. So if we look at the white arrow, they added just a small strake um, to 
connect the side pod to the underside of the mirror, which would create a vortex along the edge of the uh, side pod and improve its efficiency. The actual side pod shape itself was changed um, to improve the way in which airflow moves around it. And that was key to improving the overall performance of the car because it improves the, the connection between the front and the rear of the car. I can't um, believe there is aerodynamics around the wing mirror. Like they've added an extra pylon to affect the airflow in front of the wing mirror. Like it's insane the amount of involvement this has in in just like how much time do you gain from attaching the wing mirror to the chassis? Well, it's not about attaching the wing mirror. It's about using the regulations in order that you improve the car without actually being defeated by the regulations it's all about um maximizing the the space that you're allowed to use for for another reason um so yeah it's it's a bit of a cheat what they've done really um i'm not saying it's illegal but it's not it's not the way that you would do it you're doing it because it connects to the wing mirror luminosity in the chat room says i feel like i'm studying for an exam that i'm not going to pass dude i took a level chemistry and this feels harder (laughs) <laughs> um, so if we look at the red arrow we're pointing at the side pod conditioner uh that was changed as well to correlate to the changes that were made to the side pod um so that you can obviously get the airflow to move around that part of the car right so just to to be a little bit helpful a, a while back evangelos was asking wait a minute that things looks like it's create should create lift now not downforce but I remember something you said to me, and actually it came up um, in talking to Brad in a separate context, is that every little bit we look at is a little bit, but it's only a little bit in context of the entire flow of air across the whole car. And to just reference the Brad thing real quick, he showed you a picture of a rear wing, and then he's like, this can't be right, we're faster, but it looks like it should generate lift. And you cleverly pointed it out, except for there was a structure right ahead of it that was directly affecting it and that's why it was being successful even though if you just looked at the rear wing by itself you think no no it should never work like that and it's important when you're watching this video and looking at these pictures to understand these pieces we're looking at individual bits but there's a whole flow of air from front to rear and these bits affect the air on its journey to to the rear of the car and that's what That's why something can look like it's not supposed to work and actually be super successful is because you have to consider the whole context of it when you're evaluating it. And that's why the people who do this have very advanced fancy degrees because it's not always obvious at all. Yeah, and sometimes when I look at bits, I I'm, I have to take in what I'm looking at because I can't quite understand them because you you fit, you try to think about them in isolation. I appreciate that when you're looking at these parts in isolation, you you just can't think why why would those possibly work? Uh, but you have, as you say, Matt, you have to look at them as part of the whole um, from the front wing to the rear wing. Um, everything works in unison with one another, so that that's the reason why. Um, just going back to this picture quickly, the reason why uh, the side pod airflow conditioners was changed is you see the blue arrow where we're pointing out to the to the floor slot there. Um, that's been extended forward. And that means that because of the way that the rules are written so that basically what you can see from beneath the car has to reflect what you can see above the car. If you were to look at it from beneath, you can't see anything 
from beneath the car you have that that can be above the car so they have to put a little slot in the top of the airflow conditioner as well you can't see it in this picture but they had to cut one in the rear of it just to make sense of the fact that they'd made an extra slot in the floor um which is bewildering when you think about the complexity of how they have to work with the regulations and spanners if we just move on to the next slide absolutely we can because this is something that i've now mastered there we go seamless as far as you know i'm finding this easy so now we're looking at uh what are we looking at here uh the the side pod Right, we're looking at the the edge of the floor. The arrows are pointing to the ed- the front edge of the floor um, around the side pod. Above it, above that area, you've got the side pod. This is just crazy. You look at all these strakes and flaps and veins, and they're all jutting. And I'm expecting this to now basically turn into Optimus Prime or one of the bad ones, Magnetron. Yeah, perhaps that's what's happening. They're actually turning into something else. Um, so, yeah, these three strikes were added in Hungary as part of the side pod and floor package. Um, again, as I said, this was the turning point. And those three strikes are something that were on the Mercedes. So it's something that they've looked at on the Mercedes and thought, yes, we can use that design element. What they do is they break up the airflow or the turbulence that's happening ahead of them from the tyre wake um, and improve the flow structures downstream towards the 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 floor and the diffuser so yeah again it's about flow management but these these designs that were introduced in hungary for me were were part of the package of what helped them to improve at that point in the season so again we're seeing red bull being crafty they've given themselves the space to not copy shall we say be inspired by other people's aero direction and it's it's megatron Darn, not Magnetron. It's the pressure of the live stream and video. It's getting to me. Uh, Summers, where are we going to now? Uh, next, uh, we have got a image from Belgium when they added a, f- a scroll on the edge of the floor. Again, a design that's been used for many, t- many, many different years uh, by Red Bull themselves and by other teams. But they decided to reintroduce this for, for Belgium um, as part of, a, a part of their package of updates. Okay, so Mark Greenhow in our live chat room, which you can go to by looking on YouTube and going to Missed Apex Podcasts channel. Subscribe, click on that. You'll get a notification every time we go live. He's saying they literally are turning the air and pushing it to where they want it, which is mostly the rear diffuser. So is a lot of this all about making the air end up in the right place at the rear of the car? Yeah, it's all about... Stopping the turbulence from the front wheels affecting the floor, which then improves the flow to the to the diffuser itself. Um, obviously, there's the upper structures as well. So we're talking about the side pods, the way in which they're designed help to improve that as well. But you know, and the rear wing structures, etc. But yeah, predominantly, what we're looking to do is improve the flow from one end of the car to the other um, in order to to in- improve lap time. And if we move on to the next uh, slide, then Spanners. And we're in Monza. The Festival of Speed. So presumably they just ripped off all the aero, Matt. They probably did. But if memory serves me correctly, at a certain point, did we not get some more new involvement in the design of the car? And on a timeline point of view, has that happened yet or is it about to happen? No, it, it's happened. Um, Nui started to really get involved around about Spain. Uh, just ahead of Spain. So some of his influence was starting to appear around Spain. Now, in, in my opinion, the, the biggest update that 
included a newly inspired design element would have been the side pods in Hungary that we've just talked about um, and those design elements. Now, Adrian is is very astute at um, walking around the grid with his red notebook and picking up on other people's designs. Um, he also has experience of big regulation changes and getting them either very right or very wrong. And when he gets them very wrong, he knows how to deal with those situations. In fact, when the active suspension was taken off of the FW15C, um, if I'm getting my nomenclature correct, um, Back in 94, they had major issues in terms of getting the aerodynamics of that particular car to work because the car was set up around active. Now, we've got a very similar situation here with what happened with Red Bull going into 2017. The HPC suspension was taken away, almost, if you can imagine, a, a very simplistic version of active suspension. So they're in a very similar situation. And one of the biggest changes that Nui made um, to the FW15C and to the Red Bull RB13 is around the side pod area, the mid-rift of the car. And that has had unlocked uh, a lot of potential of the RB13. Okay, then let's get moving then. So from Monza, we move on to... Monza's just the rear wing. As you mentioned, we've we got lots of uh, downforce stripped away. I, I think I, I've got an ironing board with more angle attack on it than, than Red Bull's <laughs> rear wing there. Um, so if we move on to Singapore... Um, the next slide, we'll see what we were talking about earlier, Spanners, where um, a certain Sebastian Vettel said, oh, you've copied our design at Red at Ferrari. What are you doing? Now, it is like quite a dramatic kind of scoop out from the side of the car, isn't it? So, I mean, f- from someone like me who doesn't understand aerodynamics, it looks like it's just collecting as much air as possible uh, into like an air compressor. You see this kind of thing on airplanes. Yeah, basically, this is what we call a side pod deflector. So we use that term because it's deflecting the tyre wake away from the side pod. Um, It's improving the flow around the flank of the car. Um, Now, obviously, this is a a very similar design to Ferrari, and that's why uh, Sebastian Vettel seemed to take a a, a bit of a problem with it. But they do have that little extra slat on the front. So although Adrian's almost copied Ferrari, he has added his own little twist on there uh, with that extra slat. So, yeah, he has got away with it a little bit. Um, If we we move on to the, the next slide, we'll be looking at one of Spanner's favourite topics again, a T wing. I like it. No, I, I wasn't slating it, the T-Wing at all. I was just noticing how excited other people were getting. And in this picture, it looks nice and solid and straight. And, and this is a fantastic image, by the way, because you can see some of the air uh, flowing dramatically over the T-Wing. Obviously, I don't have any clue what it's doing. Yeah, so, so basically they, they've improved their T-Wing for Singapore. High, high downforce uh, street circuit, they, they want to get as much downforce as possible. They're running an extremely deep rear wing um, and a monkey seat, and they've, they've changed to a two-tier hooped rear wing with slots in it so that they can get more downforce directly from the T-Wing. Now, that's kind of the end of the development phase of Red Bull for, for 2017. They had a few minor parts come through in the in the latter races but they really focused their effort in the mid middle of that season they wanted to catch up 
uh, and learn and understand what went wrong with the RB13 in pre- preparation for, for building next year's car. So the results that came in at the end of the season are really a reflection of what we saw from Hungary onwards. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the development phase of an RB13. Right. And and to cleverly ask a specific question after you finish your wrap up, is it just the angle of the photograph of that T-wing or was it a pretty high angle of attack with that it was attached with? Yeah, it was it was quite highly, highly angled um, in order to get the most from it. And, and that's why it's got slots in it as well. To, so that when you're at lower, lower operating win- windows, it will still operate effectively. I thought Spanners was going to ask what angle of attack exactly meant, but no, he's not. Do you want to tell everybody what you mean by that? Right. So angle of attack is the point at which the, the angle of the flap is from the forwardmost point to the uppermost point. So you're you're basically angling the, the wing forward, you're cranking the wing forward. Um, a low angle of attack would be flat or, or flatter. Right. So basically the front of the wing is pointed more at the ground. And yes. It's a higher angle of attack. Yes. Thank you, Summers, for that whistle-stop tour of the Red Bull 2017 season. Why not get in touch with Summers on Twitter, at SummersF1. He always answers tweets and tech questions. He does so to a fault, so make sure you contact him. Follow me, at SpannersReady, and Matt, at MattPT55. See you for the next video. But you, audio listeners, you don't have to wait till the next video because you're listening live to us recording. So now we're going to go into the Ferrari set of technical regulations and we're recording this all in one go. So hats off to Summers, who is passing a great endurance test. How are you holding up there, Summers? You ready for Ferrari? I don't know. I think I'm ready for 24 hours of Le Mans, the way I'm going. But. <laughs> That's all right. It's, <laughs> it's all good stuff. And uh, I hope the people at home are enjoying it. Certainly, I think the videos will come out well. Might be a harder listen for the audio guys, but we have the smartest listeners in F1 podcasting. I am sure about that. Okay, so now we go into our next section, which is Ferrari. Here we are with Matthew Summerfield, Summers F1. Summers, it was a very difficult season for Ferrari in the end. They came out of the box so strongly and we predicted very early on that they might not develop as well as Red Bull had and that they might be a bit more stuck in their ways and it kind of proved to be that. Red Bull gained ground with them steadily over the season and they lost touch with the eventual championship winners, Mercedes. So yeah, a a season that promised so much, yet in the end, uh, kind of fell by the wayside in ways we've seen Ferrari do so many times before. Yeah, it was it was a story of of two halves, really. Again, wasn't it, Spanners? You know, we we had a, a very very good start to the season, and we expected them to really take the fight to Mercedes. Unfortunately, kind of fell away um, towards the tail end of the season. But I think it was a huge step forward for Ferrari. Um, they've kind of been in a bit of a technical wasteland in the uh, the last few seasons, so it was a much improved. Um, car for the 2017 season from a technical perspective especially given they'd lost uh, James Allison um, at such a difficult development phase um, so yeah I, I was really impressed with with the the at least the launch car um, uh, and some of the start of the season for Ferrari. So we're looking at the launch car now so you as a technical analyst when you saw this car that had not yet hit the track in anger what jumped out at you first? Uh, the, the the initial reaction was 
what's going on with those side pods. And I think everybody who looks at the car uh, will agree that the side pods look very different to what you expect to see from from any Formula One challenger. Um, they've got a very what appears to be a very small inlet, um, but it's a very complicated setup ahead of the actual side pod um, that allows uh, a lot of flow conditioning to go into the inlet and around the side pod itself. Something that I think Rory Byrne was particularly interested in doing for a very long period of time. And this particular set of technical regulations has allowed him and the people that have asked him to, to obviously rejoin the fold at Ferrari to, to get this right at, uh, at Ferrari for 2017. And of course it started very strongly in Australia and we can ignore Mercedes making a bit of a tactical error because whatever Mercedes did, Ferrari looked strong in Australia. And we have a slide here with the Australia race car. Yeah, it's a very similar car to to what we saw uh, at launch and and throughout testing. Um, Ferrari didn't have many updates to to talk about for for testing. Again, they're a team that want to put in laps and get data from from stuff right out of the box. And the car looked quick straight away. The only real change we've got here in Australia is the wing mirrors, um, which have changed design. There's a different stalk arrangement um, that folds over from the cockpit. Um, most people might assume that that's to do with uh, the position for the driver, but in fact, it's a, it's an aerodynamic impact thing. Um, they're just changing the way in which that the air moves around that section of the cockpit. So if we um, if we move forward onto the next slide, Spanners, at number three. Okay, so we're now in China and we're looking at the Ferrari on track with intermediate tyres. And this is a bump in the floor that we're looking at, is it? It is, and it was quite a contentious thing at the time because it's something that we've not seen before. Um, it's just in the middle of the floor. It's basically to do with housing some of the associated pipe work from the oil coolers from the front of the engine to the gearbox. Now, that's something that we've not seen any team do before, and so there was a lot of intrigue around what was actually happening with that section of the floor at the time, so I thought it was worth presenting to you guys so you can understand what was going on. So wait a minute, oil coolers, so I guess towards the end of the season when they couldn't burn as much oil, they didn't need to cool as much, huh? Uh, you could say that, but they would still have oil coolers, yes. But that's a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we're moving on to slide four now. We're looking at the old front wing. Yeah, this is the old front wing uh, from China. Um, and if we then click across to slide five, um, which is the new front wing, which was introduced in Bahrain. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So let me do a bit of imagery magic here by flicking between the two. Uh, it sort of looks like... Uh, do you know what? I'm not even going to pretend. I can't tell. Tell me the difference that I'm looking at here. So we've got the old one and the new one there. Okay. On the new front wing, we've got an extra slot in the main plane. So the main plane is the first element of the front wing. I've arrowed that in blue. Uh, uh-huh. and basically, it, it changes the, the pitch sensitivity of the wing, improves its performance over a wider operating window. Okay. So for um, the audio listeners, basically, the the lowest wing had a very kind of deep uh, deep length until the next little winglet came into effect. And now what we're looking at is that second, third and fourth elements of the front wing coming closer to the front. So what does that do? That gives it more turny osity. No, it just improves its ability to work at, at different speed ranges, um, uh, stops it from stalling, stops um, – it just makes it work 
more efficiently um, given the set of circumstances that they're trying to follow. And outbound of that, you'll see some yellow highlights, which is in the sort of tunneled section of the, the wing, which deals with the tyre wake. They widen that section. So again, they're trying to to, to change the way in which the, the wing responds to different commands. So we've got one section which deals with downforce and the inside of the the, the wheel, and then we, we're dealing with the wheel wake with the, the outer tunneled section of the front wing. So at this point, how much of an advantage that Ferrari kind of had out the box was down to these elements that we're looking at now? These are things that are being developed for the car. So again, we're, we're looking at things where they might say, ah, well, we, we, we can make some small minor improvements to our overall performance by adding this particular uh, item. But we're looking at Bahrain. So we're three races in. The development of this front wing would have started if not before testing, certainly in and around testing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a, an optimization. They're, they're looking to improve what they've already got from, from the start of the season. Cool. Let's fly through these sides, slides a little bit more than Summers. So we're getting to now Russia. And here's an interesting slide from my perspective, because when they go on about the monkey seat, I mean, this has been happening for ages. And to be honest, it's not something that I've really ever understood it's like a separate rear wing that's a lot smaller underneath the rear wing and from what my perspective it's on top of the exhaust pipe sort of but below the rear wing um this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Is it just a small rear wing? It does generate some of its own direct downforce, yes. But that's not its only role. 
So there's two on the, the Ferrari. We've got the one that sits right above the exhaust, which has got the blue arrow and introduced in Russia. And then we've got the red one, which uh, red arrow, which is the main monkey seat, which sits in behind. Now, both of the, the, the forward one is trying to improve the exhaust plume uh, direction. The secondary one is trying to, again, with the first one, help to improve the connection between the diffuser and the rear wing. So they're working in harmony. Right, and and that's that's critical to the all the downforce at the rear of the car working period. If the air from the diffuser doesn't connect with the air coming over the top of the rear wing, then it just doesn't work. Period. You don't have downforce. Is that correct? You do have downforce, but it, it's you would like to have them connected. They they work better when they when they're talking to one another. Um, you will have situations where they're where they don't they're not working together because the areas ahead of them are not allowing that. So yeah, it's um, it, it's dominated by design and also circuit philosophy. So yeah, um, they they do work together. That's the way that they're designed to work together. So so if we move on to slide seven, spanners, um, we're looking at the barge boards an area that we obviously saw a lot of design evolution from Red Bull um, in the previous video. And basically, we can see that they've introduced some extra slots to improve their uh, efficiency and performance. Uh, they're arrowed in blue for the people that are on the video. Um, and basically, we've got a, a change to the footplate design. Again, all of this is to improve the flow around the, the side pods um, to deal with the tire wake situation from the front of the, of the car. And at Spain, again, uh, quite an important development phase. If we flick to the next slide, we can see that they introduced a new T-wing. Um, it was a double element T-wing with quite a higher angle of attack with uh, slots placed in it so that they get more performance again for, from their T-wing, some direct downforce um, that they're trying to gain there. And when they doubled the amount of T-wingness, they doubled the amount of outrage and anger. Yes, from you, Spanners. No, it wasn't me. It was like <laughs> Brundle and the commentators that were complaining that it looked like a TV aerial. To be honest, if they'd have just made it stiffer, it would have been fine. Yes. Well, Brundle did not like T-Wings, that's for certain. Um, right, slide nine, we're moving on to Monaco. I'll press the clicker. There it is. We've got a top-down view of, frankly, a gorgeous-looking Ferrari rear end with just a beautiful classic shark fin the two little sporting stripes down the back just give it that old-timey racer feel uh if there's one thing you can't fault the ferrari on this season is it's looked good all season it has and in monaco they changed their uh monkey seat which surrounds the exhaust so they basically exposed it to to the airflow just to to improve that um again just a high high downforce configuration for monaco um much deeper rear wing and the double element T-wing. So if we move on to slide uh, number 10, Spanners, we're into Canada. Okay, so this is the bit that gets me that I never feel can or should make a difference. It's the bit of the floor that sticks out from the chassis that extends outwards. Now, when I was at Autosport, Chris Stevens was taking me around some of the older cars that they had on display, but still, you know, modern cars. And only when you are stood next to these cars... Do you see the amount of detail in the floor of, say, the Ferrari Mercedes Red Bull? Then you go over to, like, you know, an old manor car or something and it's flat. And you can just see where the extra time and money has been spent developing that area. 
Yeah, and it's time and money that's spent to improve downforce, and obviously it reflects in lap times. So we're up to four slots there in front of the rear rear tire, and it just changes the the direction of the airflow around the rear tire to improve the the downforce from the diffuser. I know it may just be a thing because we're focusing on all this development, but it seems like we saw lots and lots and lots of slots this year, more so than I remember in past years. Is it just a peculiarity of switching to the delta shape and the lower rear wing that brought this out? Or has this just been something that someone rediscovered and everyone's copied now? It's more of a case of the fact that yeah, the the development has led them down that path. So although the 2017 regulations have improved the amount of downforce that can be made from certain areas of the car, they've still got to make these flow structures work. So to make the flow structures work, they have to create these everly more complex areas around the rear tyres and in the front wings, the barge boards, etc., to to actually make the diffuser make that amount of downforce. All right, Summers, let's get rolling uh, through the rest of the season then. Uh, If we move on, we're at Baku, and this is where you're showing us a picture of the camera mounts. And it's not actually immediately apparent that these little black aerodynamic shapes that look like teardrops falling off of the front uh, nose section underneath the racer's number are actually cameras. No, because they're they're designed to be aero-neutral but all the teams put them, try to put them in positions that obviously improve their own aero packages. So Sneaky. everybody's got their own solutions. And in this case with Ferrari, they've added um, these little supports from the edge of the nose to the edge of the, the camera mount just to allow airflow to move between them um, and reduce the amount of pressure that, that builds up on that surface or, or would ordinarily build up on that surface. Um but if we move on to number 12 and Austria. Well, we will do summers in part two of our Ferrari videos. We'll see you when you join us again. So there you go, podcast listeners. Now I'm moving on to the next bit of the video. I think you know the drill by now. We're in week two. So I will say to you guys, we're here with... Oh, hang on a minute. I need to change the video. Cool. You really are inside F1 now. Uh, the switching of the scenes has gotten to me. Summers, are you okay there? You sure you don't need a drink? You don't need some oh, rest right. and, and rest. Oh. This guy is a trooper. What a legend. Can we, can we ask a question at the start uh, of this before we get into the weeds a little bit that came Absolutely. up that, that I wanted to ask at, at, the, at the beginning of the episode one but didn't get to? Definitely. I'll go to you first. Right. We're here with Matthew Summerfield, Summers F1, and Summers is going to give us his part two guide to how Ferrari managed to navigate their way from a very winningful position in 2017 to one that was not so winningful. Uh, Matt, we had a question from our live chat room continuing on from the topics we covered in the first part of the Ferrari video. Yeah, and this actually goes back to a a comment he made, uh, Summers made at the very beginning, which was that sort of the whole car was designed around those really intriguingly shaped side pods. And that's not a traditional shape. And there was a very good reason for it to be that way uh, based on the regulations, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, so, okay, the the deltoid shape of the front wing, uh, uh, deltoid shape of the front wing and the side pods and the rear wing um, is all designed 
to be more aesthetically pleasing. But the reason that Ferrari went the way they did is that they obfuscated the the front of the side pod inlet with lots of different flow conditioners in order to improve the way in which that the air moved into the inlet and around the side pod itself. But also interestingly, they removed the um, side impact spar which is normally quite high up in front of the inlet and provides a, a difficult task in terms of creating airflow around it and put it quite further forward inside the the section of bodywork we just talked about. So it was an intriguing design element that uh, Ferrari decided to to go for with their side pods and the obviously uh, peripheral elements that surround it. Okay, so moving on to some of your slides, though, Summers, we have more front wing action now. Yeah, so we're in Hungary, uh, sorry, in Austria, um, and basically Ferrari have made a decision to to make some more changes to their front wing. The slot that they added um, a few races ago has been half deleted, which I've shown with a yellow arrow uh, for those looking at the pictures. Um, They've upturned the edge of the... Uh, section where it, the flap section meets the neutral section and that's in order to revise the Y250 vortex and they also added an extra canard on the edge of the end plate uh, in order to turn the airflow outside the, the front tyre. Uh, so yeah, just some more changes in terms of optimising the flow around the, the front of the car to improve that rearward. Um, and then if we um, have a look at slide 13, we'll be seeing the uh, side of the floor on the on the um, SF70H, which was actually an area of contention in the early part of the season. A lot of people might remember the fact that teams, other teams were talking about Ferrari's floor flapping around too much. Um, Yes. Yeah, it was, it was quite, quite uh, an aggressive uh, stance taken by the other teams wanting that band because the slot was quite a long section of the floor and they thought that it might just disintegrate and it would end up in some driver's cockpit or something along those lines. Um, obviously, there was supposed to be some kind of aerodynamic advantage behind it as well. So that's also going to play into it. Isn't it incredible that a thing their competitors had a huge advantage on in lap time was also massively unsafe i can't believe it worked out like that yeah it's it's really ironic that um so come baku charlie whiting supposedly spoke had spoken to ferrari on several occasions about strengthening that that particular area of the car and he was still not accepting the fact that it was to a required strength so ferrari added this metal insert to the to the edge of the end of that particular area of the car and it's at this point where you start to see ferrari taking some backward steps in terms of performance they also lost the ability to use uh what nobody's actually um expressed whether this was actually in use but there is a rumor that they had a switchable blown axle at the front of the car which basically takes airflow through the front brake duct and blows it out around the front tire um now every a lot of teams have these blown axles but ferrari's had a fluidic switch similar to the f duct from 2010 which allowed it to turn on and off depending on if the car was turning or not so, you know, these are the technical kind of elements that really decided a championship because these are the elements that perhaps were dry, the driving force behind Ferrari's um, championship contention at that point. So are you literally saying that when the driver would turn the wheel of the car, for example, the axle would stop blowing 
And then when they straightened it back up, it would start blowing again or vice versa. Vice versa. I'd have to think about the way in which it blows on and off, but because I can't think it off the top of my head. But yeah, that that is essentially what we're talking about here. A, a switchable blown axle in terms of being able to turn the aero on and off, depending if the wheel is steered or unsteered. Right. And yet somehow that's not a movable aerodynamic device. Or do they decide that perhaps it was? That's the understanding that it was decided that it, it had become an aerodyn- a movable aerodynamic device, yes. Ah, uh, the oldies but the goodies, right? Correct. So if we move on to slide 14, uh, Spanners. Oh my lordy, we're talking about the floor slots. Now the entire floor just looks like a game of whack-a-mole where all the creatures have jumped up at once. That's an insane amount. Is this equivalent to the Force India Stegosaurus tail that just got abandoned straight away well no force india didn't abandon that it ran for the whole the rest of the season um they thought they were only going to run it for one race in singapore but it ran for the entire rest of that season but we digress so yeah the the uh floor here has now got seven slots um ahead of the rear wheel and as we were talking about in terms of the the toys being taken away from them after baku this is their response to that they need to make adjustments downstream in order to improve the way in which the, you know, these flow structures work to retain the level of downforce that they've become accustomed to. So this is the their their brute force way of, of approaching that, um, and, and that was introduced in Hungary. Okay, so did it work? Um, it, it's not going to work to the same level. You know, the the car perhaps was designed with the original concept in mind. So these additional slots are kind of a makeshift way of trying to improve it to get it to similar similar kind of level. But for me, it's part of the the story behind Ferrari's disappearing pace. Exactly, because this is now before the summer break where Hamilton and Mercedes trumpets were starting to kind of really get a grip and starting to rattle Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, they were very much, uh, Ferrari was on the back foot for a variety of reasons. They had some technical failures, they had some reliability issues, and they also were having their toys taken away from them. And um, to bring up the power units briefly, uh, also Mercedes introducing its engine in Spa, despite their saying that they weren't burning the same, burning no more oil than the regulations were intending, I think really... um, psychologically struck a blow because Ferrari was not expecting them to introduce it there. And they felt like they had been taken by surprise by that. And and it seemed to throw their entire organization into disarray. That's generally, I think a question for you Summers, because you're the one who knows things. It's it's certainly not a question for little old spanners in the corner here. Yeah, no, again, power unit situation is very difficult because you, you're looking at different stages of development. So they're coming in at different points. And as, as Matt's just rightly pointed out, you know, Mercedes being able to introduce that engine in, in Spa had a major impact in the way in which that Mercedes operated their power units to, to some degree. So yeah, it was a bit of, it's to and fro and it's very tactical and strategic. And um, when you deploy these updated engine parts, it's going to have an impact on not only you, but your competitors as well. So yeah, it, it does play into the story of the season. Right. So we've gotten some interesting questions from the chat room about all of these tiny slots. Uh, one of them is where exactly are these slots sending the air? 
And a related question was, when you talk about tire squirt, which I'm assuming these slots are aimed at alleviating, where is the air from the tire actually squirting? Inside towards the diffuser or outside or that turbulence that you're trying to manage, where is it going and wreaking havoc? Okay, so basically as the tire deforms, the lower part of the tire will squish and you'll get sort of a, a push effect laterally into the diffuser so the airflow literally is pushed away into the diffuser what these slots and strakes ahead of the rear tire are trying to do is marginalize that issue so you're creating tiny vortices that roll up in front of the tire and manage the airflow around the face of the front of the tire around the tire and sort of create a, an almost a ceiling effect a bit like when we had blown it blown diffusers for for an example they're obviously not to the same strength of that but it would give you an idea of what was trying to be done um, they're trying to basically create a, a ceiling effect along the side of the, the flanks of the diffuser to improve default uh, that that's performance i think it's uh, vortexes but you know that's a technicality we can we can move along from that there's no need to argue about who's right and who's wrong. The next slide also illustrates these veins, but perhaps shows a little bit of the end of the aero journey uh, of what these bobbly things do. Yeah, so so slide 15 is from Belgium and they've reduced the slot uh, frequency by one, so they're down to six, but they've also added a little um, longitudinal flap on the edge of the rear of the floor. Um, and again, very similar to what they were doing before, but circuit-specific. They're using something different for Belgium because it has a different circuit characteristic. Okay, fair enough. So if we move on to slide 16, and obviously we know Belgium is a, is a compromised circuit, so it, it's long, straight, and a, a very twisty central sector, sector two. So what they've done on the front wing is is they've cut the, the, the white flaps down slightly in order to, to reduce some of the downforce. Um, the blue arrow that's on the picture is depicting the fact that we're missing the tri triangular arrow, um, triangular vein that normally sits atop the end plate um, and creates a pressure gradient. So they're trying to do something different with the, the airflow moving around the front of the tyre. And then that just exposes the the canard, which I've pointed in, in with the red arrow, um, again, trying to do that sort of thing. So again, it's optimizations for that particular circuit. They're looking at Spa in order to to try and make gains on, on their competition, um, both in terms of downforce and reducing drag. And how did that work out for them? <laughs> um, it worked out for them... I can't remember in Belgium, to be honest. How did it work out for them? I think Lewis Hamilton was able to just cling on to victory, even though some people thought that Vettel was a little quicker. Yeah, well, there we go. The story of the season, really. Trumpets? Um, that was the new power unit for Mercedes. How do you think they did? Because as much as we're talking about aerodynamics, there's a whole nother side to this competition that's power units. Yeah, but we don't get sneaky pictures of the power unit in the factory, so that doesn't suit this video format, Matt. You're, you're blowing it wide open. Uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to blow it <laughs> wide open. I'm just saying that much like the little bits and bobs, it's all part of a bigger picture. Okay, so we move on to Italy, and we see that there is no forward monkey. I'll admit, I'm just reading your notes. I have no idea what I'm saying. At this point, it just sounds like garbage. There's no forward monkey summers, apparently, and this is important. Yeah, so, so basically in Monza, we're trying to get as much 
um, downforce off the car. We're trying to reduce the amount of drag. So we, we're running as little wing angle as we possibly can. We don't need the diffuser and the rear wing to interact with one another at the same level that would do on a street circuit per se. So we take away the forward monkey that sits over the top of the exhaust um, and we simplify the one that sits behind it. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's all about drag reduction for, for circuits like Monza. I feel like I'm being trolled but I'm going to roll with it. Sure, there's no forward monkey. Everyone laugh at spanners thinking that the forward monkey is a real thing. So obviously then we go past the summer break where things really started to fall apart. So everyone is quick to point to the lack of reliability and the fact that Sebastian Vettel made a few key mistakes. However, had he not made those, do you still feel that they had lost the march on Mercedes? If we go to this next slide, which is the Malaysian Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, basically at this point in the season, the development phase of the car is starting to slow down. Having said that, Ferrari was still bringing quite significant upgrades because they were still finding, obviously, time um, on this car in the wind tunnel. So on this particular picture, the first one um, from Malaysia, we got a new set of barge boards, again, increasing the complexity um, with the forwardmost element, which is a boomerang shape. Um, noted by the blue arrow um, and some extra winglets beneath it on the footplate uh, marked with a red arrow. They're just, again, trying to optimise the flow around that area of the car. Is it me or is the fussiness factor around this area much less than the Red Bull uh, equivalent, which I described as being Megatron-like, as if it was going to suddenly transform into a giant robot? This looks a little bit more simple. It is a little bit more simplistic, but you know they're trying to achieve different goals because that their side pods offer a different type of performance level. So again, it comes down to the different philosophies between both teams um, and the development rate at which um, Red Bull are working, obviously. So yeah, it is a little less complex. Cool. Where are we moving on to next, Summers? Uh, next, we're still in Malaysia, but we're, we, if we move on to the next slide, we're, we're looking at the airbox ears that were added around the airbox. Okay, so are those the obviously the air intake above the driver's head? Now, what we're looking at here, have they increased the size of it or have they added structures within it? They've increased the size of it. So basically, we're, we're looking at two additional um, air, airbox scoops on the outside of the main scoop. Um, which improve the cooling to the rear coolers, things like um, energy recovery system um, coolers and oil coolers, etc. For the hotter races, basically, your Malaysia's and Mexico, where you need more or air flowing through the car, that, that's the sort of thing we're looking at here. Okay, so I get the feeling now where in our journey through Ferrari's 2017 season, we're feeling a little forlorn because we're not now talking about massive improvements. We're just sort of talking about little bits and bobs that almost either seem desperate or thinking about, you know, the next season. Obviously, their focus was still on the title, but it just seems to have, it seems to be not as exciting as the Red Bull updates we covered. Yeah, and I think, as I say, you get to a point in the gestation period of a car where you realise that you're already getting a huge amount of performance from it. So at that point, you, you either have to chuck a huge amount of resource at it to make that same level of um, performance or you start to scale back and think about the next the next car uh, for 2018. So, you know, the, there was a lot of updates still coming through, but they just weren't achieving the level of results perhaps that you were seeing in the Red Bull camp. 
So nevertheless, uh, your last two slides cover the US Grand Prix. The first is the end plate, uh, and it looks very straight. I'm just highlighting the uh, shorter element that's used on, on the end plate itself. So the, the yellow highlight there is to, to show how much shorter that end plate is. Okay. And it may, makes space for the, the short cropped end plate that's been added at the rear where, where you've got the red arrow. So I noticed that the foot plate that extends from the end plate, which Nick in the chat room rightly points out, means that the end plate shouldn't be called the end plate. It should be called nearly the end plate because then there's the foot plate afterwards. Um, that looks a lot longer there than the Red Bull one, which you could barely balance your tippy toe on. This one, you could get a good couple of feet on and bounce. I think we're talking about difference in angles, but yeah, the Red Bull one is a little shorter. It did start further back. So again, a design preference in terms of the way that that front wing operates. Excellent. And the last Ferrari slide is the US floor slots. Yeah, so we're we're back down to five slots. Um, they're they've made them more tightly, steeply angled, and they're trying to change again the behaviour and optimise the behaviour of the the uh, airflow around the rear tyre and how that squirts into the diffuser. I'm imagining a very lonely scene, just you and Piola in the motorsport.com office going, "Oh, hang on a minute, the slots have changed slightly." Yeah, it's a, it is a discussion, obviously. <laughs> We we WhatsApp one another on a regular occasion with uh, <laughs> telling one another that there's a, a different slot arrangement ahead of the rear wheel on the Ferrari. I can just see you two tingling with excitement as you decide to move that onto a WhatsApp video call. Uh, absolutely fantastic summary of the Ferrari 2017 uh, season. Uh, a great technical journey they've gone through. Are you optimistic for Ferrari for next season? The the strides that they took in 2017 were huge. If they could make anywhere near that kind of leap for next year, then I would be flabbergasted. Um, but I, I do hold hope that they can um, retain a level of performance that would give them a challenge on Mercedes and Red Bull. Excellent. That is a fantastic, Summers. Thank you so much for taking us through Ferrari's 2017 season. If you want to follow Summers, do it on Twitter, at SummersF1. Uh, he doesn't like me telling people this, but he can't help but answer your questions. If you ask him a question on Twitter, he will answer it. Also, Matt PT 55 if you start an argument with him, he will continue that debate. Kind of me too as well. At Spanners Ready, that's the end of the Ferrari video. Thank you. And as well, that brings us to the end of this two-parter. Incredibly, guys, we still have a whole section on Mercedes. As we went through the topics, I it became clear to me that there was just so much to get through and I didn't want to skimp on it. So that means I have to persuade Summers to come back another time, perhaps early in the new year, for an all Mercedes special. But I hope you will check out the YouTube videos that we've made. And I think that these 15 to 20 minute segments will be stuff that we can share easily and will be a good reference point for people to learn about Formula One tech. Uh, Summers, you are blogging more at summers.co.uk. No, so, wait, summersf1.co.uk. Uh, and also, you have some pretty good race reviews on there. And I don't want to, I don't want to kind of berate your writing skills, but those race reviews are suspiciously well written. They are because they come from a certain Mr. Trumpets. Matt, it's fantastic to see your race reviews on Summer, Summer's F1 because it's not this happened, then this happened, then this happened. It's a bit more blue sky and you read it and you sometimes almost forget 
that you're reading a motorsport report. It's just a thing that's nice to read. Well, I will take that as a compliment. And uh, if you like what he reads, you may like to listen to what he does. Yes, you can listen to Trumpet's Time and you can hear me on E-Radio as well. Now that Formula E is back, we'll have some stuff to be talking about. Also, if you look at pinned tweets and tweets he does, he has an Indiegogo campaign where he's trying to make an album with all kind of jazzy type music. Uh, See if you can go and support him there. If you're a fan of that kind of music, and I certainly am, chuck a few bucks in and you'll get a good album out at the other end. Summers, Trumpets, it's been an epic session. I'm certainly very tired. I hope the listeners were able to follow along. The last thing I want to say to you guys is to come go-karting with us. Summers, what's the chance that you can come over and come go-karting with me, Jeansy, Bradley Philpot, and Chris Stevens on the 27th of January at 3pm? I am trying my hardest. Try if harder! I, if I can be there, I certainly will be. I would love to see how I stack up against you guys. See, the thing is, Summers, you're being modest. You were quite a quick kid in a cart. Um, I'm fairly quick. Yeah, we'd say. You reckon you can take Jeansy? Uh, I honestly don't know. I don't know the benchmark. I'm, I'm always pretty good wherever I go, so we'll we'll have to see. Oh man, I so want you to come over. Uh, wear a higher suit as well. Don't wear your own race suit because it's great to see Jeansy being an own suit git, uh, being beaten by people in uh, track suits. Well, do we have time for a comment of the week before we go? Right. Well, you actually need to thank Rob Graham in the chat room because he brought it up as his wife finally busted him hiding out in the garage and he's been <laughs> he's been made to come back inside. <laughs> so working backwards, we have a very own Luminosity 871. What good is development if you can't QA spark plugs? Talking about Ferrari, <laughs> of course. Hush. Um, and back up at the top of the show, Dom Byrne, the ever present contender. I think the improvement in on-track action was due more to Perez and Ocon being <laughs> teammates. That's true. <laughs> and we'll ignore the summer's look at the camera things. Um, and there was one more. If I can find it, where did it go? You can do it, Trumpets. Very own Ruraid McKay. Surprised Gillette don't sponsor the front wing of F1 cars. Because Gillette can't make they... a 17-element razor. That's why. They did. They sponsored Williams a few years ago, and it was on the front wing. Well, there you go. Well, he can't win then, because he's wrong. Sorry, Rory. Who wins comment of the week? Well, then I'd have to say it's got to be Luminosity 871. What good is development if you can't QA spark plugs? Comment of the week. So again, get in touch with me for karting on the 27th of January 3pm let me know that you're interested because I really want to get this booked up very very soon email me spannersready at gmail.com or at spannersready on twitter DM me they're open slide on in there until next time remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was Missed Apex Tech Time with Summers Summers, you don't look like you were drinking alcohol through any of that. How does he do it? He's like a Superman. 
<laughs> how can I talk about all that stuff and drink alcohol at the same time? Yeah, you're right. It would be insane to try and talk with authority whilst drinking. Years of practice. <laughs> cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 